We are at uh, the closing of the series entitled Pray First. And uh, I want to recap a little before I close. Last Sunday we talked about the importance of praying all prayers. I don't know about you, but when I was young in the Lord, I had a problem praying for a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples, can you guys even pray for one hour? Um, and some of us feel that praying an hour is long in and of itself. Um, but when you understand that God's desire for us is that we can live up to what the Bible says, praying all prayers with supplication and thanksgiving. And when you hear that phrase, praying all prayers, what that tells me is, is that there is diversification in prayer. And what does that mean, Pastor? That means that there are different types of prayer that we could pray when we pray. So prayer is more than just asking God for vengeance. Prayer is more than just, God, I, I want to lose 20 pounds. So by the time I wake up tomorrow, please, Lord. No, no. Prayer is more than that. There are levels in, of prayer. There's dimensions in prayer. And when you understand that prayer is more than what you want God to do for you, when you understand that prayer is more than what you want God to do towards your enemies, but you understand that prayer is the way you grow in your walk with the Lord, you understand and you unlock doors in prayer that takes you from one dimension in relationship with God to another. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us that we ought to pray all prayers, all prayers. We talked about different kinds of prayers last Sunday. We talked about war, warfare prayer. We talked about intercession prayer. We talked about binding and loosing. We talked about dedication prayers. But there's a prayer that we really don't pray. We really don't like to pray. But this is one of the all prayers we need to pray. And the all prayers we need to pray is the one we talked about last Sunday that says, we have to pray the prayer that says, I'm going to pray for those that hurt me. I'm going to pray for those that abuse me. I'm going to pray for those that mistreat me. Because that's what the Bible says. Just pray for those that hurt you. Pray for those that slander you. Pray for those. And that prayer is, a, is an important prayer when it comes to our restoration in our walk with the Lord. And also in our restoration with our fellow man. And that's important. Praying for those that hurt you is as spiritual as binding and loosening in the spirit. Praying for those that do you wrong is as spiritual as warfare in the spirit. And it's the part of prayer that we don't like to pray because when we pray, we want judgment. We want payback. We want kill them, Lord. We want hit them with a fridge, Lord. We want, Lord, pop a tires, Lord, so that when we see the tires pop, don't mess with God's child. But God is stretching us to pray all prayers. And we talked about how important it is for us to pray for evildoers. To pray for those that do us wrong. To pray for those, those people who are just angry people. Have you ever seen angry people in life? Please don't, don't look at your wife. Please don't look at your wife. Don't look at your husband. Angry people. I'm talking about people wake up angry. They're brushing their teeth with an attitude. They, they, they're getting dressed with an attitude. They, they even put their selfies with them. I mean, you're just uh, 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 angry people. 
And so God told us, God taught us, or told us last week, that we got to pray for those angry people. Today, I'm going to turn the coin around. Today, I want to talk about to the angry people. Last week, we spoke about how to treat people and love angry people. Now, I got to talk about if you're the angry person, how do you change? How do you change? How do you alter and grow in the Lord? So today I'm going to speak to how an angry heart, listen to this, how an angry heart impedes effective prayer. Okay, Lord, she's angry. Help me to love her. Help me take care of her. Okay, I got that. But now the angry person, I want you to know, if you are governed by anger and wrath, I want you to know that your anger and your wrath is impeding the effectivity of your prayer. And you can be doing the mechanics of prayer, but if you're an angry person, it didn't pass that ceiling. If you're an angry person, it didn't pass the roof. And so the question is, how do I deal with anger? Before I ask you, before I answer that question, let me give you the roots that causes anger. What are the roots? Let me just say this. Anger is a universal problem. It's a un everywhere in the world people get angry. It's not limited to an age group. I've seen, I've seen two-year-olds that are always angry. Hey, mine, well. Anger is not limited to an age group. It's not limited to a culture. It's not limited to a race. It's not limited to an economic level. Some people feel like once I make millions of dollars, I ain't going to be angry anymore. No you can make million dollars and be the most angriest, agnostic person, Mr. Scrooge. Anger is not limited by social status. Anger is not limited by educational background or by any other classification. Unresolved anger is one of the chief contributing factors to the destruction of marriages, the breakdown of families, and the weakening of communities and society. It is a major cause of health problems. There are people that they're so angry and bitter, and this thing stop popping up. Blood pressure, diabetes, no, no, not blood pressure, blood pressures, headaches. And you go to the doctor, and the doctor checks your body, and he says, I don't find nothing. Because your sickness is not the end result of a genetic composition that you've inherited by your forefathers. Your sickness is probably the end result of your anger and bitterness that causes you sick. I want you to know that. There are people that are always sick because they're always angry. Give me a, and then, and then, give me a Tylenol, but, but ask me nice. <laughs> angry people are always sick. Major cause of health problem. It is the major cause of lack of productivity in the workplace. When you're an angry person, your job don't, you don't perform well in your job. You, you have an attitude. When you're angry, you're not productive. When you're angry, nobody want to hang out with you, hang out with you at lunchtime. When you're angry, 
you staple things wrong, you paperclip things wrong, you answer the phone wrong, and everything is wrong. Angry people are not productive at the workplace. And it's also the denominator for juvenile delinquents. Most of these kids in gangs and in potsies and in, when you look at the core, aside from the fact that they're just hungry for attention, the core is also anger. Mama wasn't there. Papa wasn't there. Anger, anger, anger. The root causes of anger impacts. I want you to know that anger is a serious problem. Anger is a serious problem. And what causes it? <laughs> the root cause of a spirit of anger is the tension from the past hurts and guilt. So when you see somebody that, 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 that is angry, you got to go back. You can't just look at the anger and the evilness and the attitude and the ugly look. And, ah, ah, but you you got to go behind that because behind that anger, there's guilt of committing something or there's pain of something being committed to that person. This mixture of pain and guilt is cumulative and it erupts in anger when new offenses reminds us of past experiences. So you're angry at him because what he just did right now reminds you of something that was done to you and your defense mechanism says, Most people assume that hurtful events in the past will be forgotten and will have no effect in the future. So people think, well, okay, you hurt me. I, I got you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pack up, leave the state, and go to another state. You thinking that changing your location geographically is going to solve the problem. And it doesn't. You think, all right, I'm buying a bigger house now. I'm going to get me another man. Okay, you did me wrong. Look at this one. But it doesn't deal with the anger. It doesn't deal with the issue. It doesn't change the circumstance. Past hurts do not just go away. Nor does guilt simply disappear after a wrong response is done on a specific situation. So unless these experiences are resolved through repentance and forgiveness. We will continue to experience outbursts of anger when our tension points are triggered. That's why we need to understand this. Let me tell you, when I, when I think of anger, I think of tarnish. I think of Abuse, I think of pain. But let me tell you this. You wasn't born angry. I mean, unless you're, a, unless you're Beelzebub. But nobody's born angry. Nobody's born angry. When, when you was born, you was born innocent in the context of rationale because we were all born in sin and shape and iniquity. But, but when you was born, you was pure. 
everything you know, everything you do, everything you say was embedded in you, which is why you do what you do. But when you was born, remember you was born, you don't remember you was born, but when you was born, you was as pure and as white and as clean as this handkerchief. Innocent. I, I could go to Marlena. Remember that? I, I, oh, oh, he's so beautiful. My God, he looks just like his father. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Perfect. Innocent. Clean. But here's what happens. It's like, it's like this white shirt. This white shirt. This white shirt. I bought this white shirt yesterday. I went to the store. And I bought it yesterday. I bought it yesterday, right? I, 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 I got it on sales because I went to the Loop. And the Loop, there's a little place. That, you know, I bought it on sale, right? And, and, and I got it real cheap. Right? Perfect. If you look at it, it's perfect. It's clean. It's white. It has no dirt. It has no blemish. It's, it's a perfect white shirt. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It represents innocence. It represents that baby child. But here's what happens. This innocence is what you were when you were created. But here's what happened. Somebody who didn't live by By the way, I went to the store, and I stood 15 minutes on that satanic line. My God, I, I, I hate stores. And, and, and I was waiting in line and waiting in line and waiting in line. And when I finally waited, I paid for it, and I paid for the shirt, and I went and I got it myself. And, 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 and I liked the shirt because it fit me right, and it was perfect. But now somebody who did not go to the store who did not pick it out, comes now into my shirt and begins to distort my shirt. It's my shirt. It was pure when I bought it. Right here, right here, right here. My own number, my own Put some in there, put some in there. It was pure when I bought it. But someone who did not regard the fact that I sacrificed in line to pay for it, made it his business to come to me, and because I was innocent, didn't know, didn't know, I didn't know that him coming towards me, he was going to hurt me. I didn't know that because when you're innocent, you don't know anything. So, so, so because I was innocent, I became vulnerable. And as I open myself to him, as I open myself to her, as I open myself in a marriage, as I open myself in a relationship, I thought I was going to be treated well and pure as I was. But what happens? He came and he marked me. And he bruised me. And he changed my image of myself. And he distorted my view of who I am. And so now, 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 my experience, when I look at myself in the mirror, I look nothing like I looked when I left my house this morning. And so now, I can't go back and return this to the store. Talk about, can I get another one? It's too late. I have to live with the marks. 
I have to live with the scar. I have to live with the bruise. I got to live. I can't go back to God and say, God, make me again. Can you do me new again? I can't. I can't. It's too late. So now, how do I live with myself after being after been broken, bruised, and abused, and, 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 and distorted by people? How do I do it? Here's how we do We put on the garment called anger that says, no one is ever going to hurt me again. So whenever I see somebody trying to get close to me, whenever I see somebody trying to be nice to me, I'm going to get angry because the last person I opened myself to, look what he did to me. So we're angry and we're bitter and we're frustrated and we're annoyed with God because he didn't make a change. We are annoyed with the people that hurt us, and we are annoyed with ourselves for opening up. And consequence, I ain't never going to let nobody in. Before they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. I want you to know this, because some of us are frustrated because we feel, because this is what they told you in church, come to Jesus, and God's going to take your hurt away. Come to Jesus, and God's going to take the pain away. And in some degree, that is true. But let me tell you something. Past hurts do not just go away. Nor does guilt simply disappear after a wrong response has been done to you. Unless these experiences are resolved through repentance and forgiveness... We will continue to experience bouts of anger when our tension points are triggered. This is why prayer is the antidote to anger. It's to another location. It's not getting married to somebody else so he can see I can do better. It's not, it's not getting the house that's nicer. It's not that. The, the, the antidote to anger is prayer. It's prayer. If anybody had a reason to be mad at all of us, it was Jesus. And what did he pray? He said, Father, forgive him. If I'd have been Jesus at the cross, um, could you hit him with three lightnings and two bolts? Because look what they did to me at the cross. Jesus said, hey, forgive them. You have to understand that the power over anger in your heart is prayer. Prayer, listen to me, is the only avenue God uses to remove our pain from our hearts. Prayer can prevent, listen to me, prayer can prevent permanent damage in your life. But if you don't pray, You'll be damaged, you'll be broken, you'll be callous, you'll be marginalized. But prayer can prevent permanent damage in your life. The pain of this world began with a man by the name of Adam and a woman by the name of Eve. When God made them, they were as innocent as the shirt I had five minutes ago. Pure, perfect, made in the image and the likeness of God. Look at what happens. The power of prayer. Satan 
camouflages himself in form of a serpent, sneaks in the pages of Adam's and Eve's history. Get, what, what is prayer? Prayer is, somebody say, communication with God. Say it. Prayer is talking with God. And what does Lucifer does? He prays with Eve. Because prayer is talking with God. So what was the devil doing? Talking with the woman. And he began to talk to her about, why don't you eat of the tree? So that you can be like God, knowing both good and evil. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you eat of the tree? Not the tree of the fruit. Imagine, the tree. But you eat of the fruit. But when you are not a person of prayer, you will make decisions out of God's plan because your ears are inclined to things that sound like God, but it's not God. And here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. What's crazy is that she fell in the trap because a serpent told her, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like God. That was a trap because Genesis 1.26 says she was already created in the image of God. So he tricked her to becoming something she already was. And why did she get tricked? Because instead of making prayer first, before making a decision, she heard the voice of the serpent and obeyed the serpent, and that caused pain. What pain? Now Adam has to work and sweat, I'm sorry, he has to sweat from the head of his brow. brow. He, has to, he has to now toil the land, thorns. Now he has to see his son kill his other son. This is consequence of not praying first. He didn't pray. He got evicted from his house. He didn't pray. He had sweat like a horse. He didn't pray. His son killed his other son. This was just simply because he didn't pray. Now they're angry. But now let's look at Jesus. Adam and Eve were at the Garden of Eden. Jesus at one point was in the garden called Gethsemane. Adam was at a, in the garden. Jesus was in the garden. Adam did not pray to God. Jesus prayed to the Father. Look at the outcome. They both experienced pain. Adam's pain kicked him out the garden because he didn't pray. Jesus' pain took him at the right hand of the Father because he prayed in Gethsemane. Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass by me, but not my will be done, but yours be done. It was a prayer that allowed Jesus to go through what he went through and not be angry at the people because he took his situation in prayer first so that when he was hanging on that cross and look at the people that whipped him and bruised him and marked him he would look at them with anger but he said I already solved my anger in prayer when I went before the Lord we must pray to God to remove away our pain prayer can prevent permanent pain in our, in our lives listen to me therefore because of pain now you're mean with everybody. Obnoxious when you express yourself. And you know what's crazy? You don't even know this. You don't even notice. 
Sometimes I wish I, I had a camera when I talked to the court. Because I was like, hey, how you doing? And they think they're being nasty, but they're being angry and nasty. And I could regret their little playback. Look, look at you. This is you. Some people are so obnoxious and they don't even know it. Because it's part of their defense to be angry, be tough, and be rough, and be, huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. This is me. But let me express the process of anger. And I'm going to express it from, from end to beginning. A person who's angry, that's the manifestation of a process that has happened in that person's life. But before you have anger, here's what you experience. Before you have anger, you experience pain. Before you have pain, there are some perpetrators that are going to hurt you. But before the perpetrators, there is vulnerability. You're vulnerable to somebody. But before vulnerability, there's innocence. Before innocence, there's purity of heart. Now notice, you're pure of heart. Consequence, you become vulnerable to people. Hey, yeah, welcome. Come to my house. Chill. Yeah, cool. Come. Yeah, yeah. You're vulnerable because you're innocent. But if you're not innocent, you're not vulnerable. Innocence opens the door for vulnerability. And once you're vulnerable, look what happens. You become, isn't it? You become open for predators to come and perpetrators to touch you. And what happens when you were vulnerable? A perpetrator took you. And he abused you. And he touched you. And he might have raped you. And he might have spoken something negative in your view. And he, 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 uh, the Peter distorted your image of your innocence and abused your vulnerability and, and annihilated your innocence. I feel like preaching. I feel like preaching. To the point that now the end result of all of that is anger. And you're angry at this because that happened. And you do that because they did this to you. And typically, people who were abused by perpetrators and violated in their innocence, you tend to become either what the person did to you. So now from being victimized, you become a victim, a victor. Or you go contrary the opposite direction of what was done to you. And so now you say, so that nobody does it again to me, I'm going to hurt somebody. To make sure that nobody do this again, I'm going to go the other direction, contrary to my construct. And so what happens is, you say, I ain't never going to let nobody mark me again. Never. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put walls, and I'm going to hide these scars so nobody can see. But don't you take that close to me because I'm going to tear you up from the flow up. This is what many people are dealing with right now. And so, and so we come to church and we come to church and we put the church face and we put the church atmosphere and we come here but we got anger and unresolved issues and we still can't forgive folk Because we haven't understood the reality that the only one that can heal us from the anger and the pain is Jesus through prayer. 
So now the pain you know and the pain you experience now causes you to be mean with everybody. And it's because you've been broken. It's because you've been broken. And so broken people break other people. Hurting people hurt people. I'm almost done. And so I want to let you know that God's desire for us is that we don't fall in the trap of living out a life of anger, which by the way stems out of pain. Jesus said, come to me, all of you, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, bro, the pain that you have, give it to me. Because if you don't give it to me, you're going to get angry. If you don't give it to me, you're going to be evil. But here's what we do. We say, no, 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 God, I don't want you. I want to handle this myself. Because I don't trust nobody. Because the last person I trust... Look what they did to me. The last person I trust, look what they, look how they marked. The last person I trust in innocence and confidence, look what they did to me. God, so I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to want. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put myself in a corner somewhere. And if you try to get next to me, ha! Have you ever tried to pet a hurting, a, a, a abused dog? Have you, tried, have you ever tried to touch an abused dog? Let me show you how that, what that looks like. Watch this video. Hey, hey, hey. 
How many hollies we have here today? In a corner, isolated, unable to be loved, to be touched, because it's easier to put a defense mechanism that says, stay away, don't come near me. I've been bruised, I've been marked, I've been calloused. But I'm thankful that God, it's not like many people, that he's willing to take the risk. That's what he said. He said, he said, if the just falls seven times, seven times the Lord will raise him up. He said, I came to this world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And that's a risk. Every time the guy tried to clean Holly, Holly was like, <laughs> almost bit him at one point. That's what we did to Jesus. The only thing we gave Jesus, the 33 years he was on this planet, the only thing he took to heaven was the scars we gave him. When he rose from the dead, he said, Thomas, look, look, I'm going back to heaven with the scars you gave me. Yet he still loved us. And so today, today, we have two options. Stay in a corner like Holly did, 
or yield to the irresistible calling of God telling you, let me heal you. Because I'm going to tell you, friend, God, like that man, will not give up on you. But you've got to come and say, Lord, I give you my heart. You need to say, Lord, I surrender my anger. I surrender my bitterness. Because God, God's got a better plan for you than to be cornered up in somewhere next to the gate, growling at life for the next 30 years. Life is too short to live growling. Life is too short to be bitter and angry. And you know what? When you get older, you're going to be by yourself. And nobody want to hang out with a grouchy person. But pastor, this is my is that I don't want nobody to hurt me. Thank God we have a healer. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will be afflicted. But he said, be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I am the healer. But pastor, but, but what now when people look at me and they see the scar, and what, what they're going to say? Don't worry about that. As long as those you, don't worry about the rest. But pastor, but what if I go to church and everybody know that we broke up in my marriage, and how am I going to start up in a church talking about, oh, yeah, I mean, no, no. Don't worry about the people. Put your hands, your life in the hands of the healer. But pastor... Pastor, he raped me when I was a kid, and I was only four years old, and I was only four years old, and my mama wasn't there, and my father wasn't there, and he raped me, and now I have this inclination to promiscuity, and now you want me to love somebody? Yeah, love, because when you love, that is a sign that you have been healed by the past pains of yesterday. But you cannot pray effectively with an angry spirit cannot pray effectively with an angry spirit. You got to be able to say, God, I give you my heart. I forgive. You know what? Many people are having an affair with anger. Many people are having an affair with anger. And the problem when you have an affair with anger, it's like having a man an affair with a woman. When you have an affair with anger, anger conceives vengeance. Anger conceives hatred. Anger conceives bitterness. Anger conceives depression. Anger deceives a, conceives a false image of godliness. Anger conceives low self-esteem. When you start praying always, as we said last week, with all prayer, it can't just be with your lips only. Because they will get tired and you will run out of things to say. But this has got to be a prayer that stems out of your heart. That's why in, in the spirit is important. So we need to understand the pain of those who hurt us. How do I understand them? Check this out. How do I understand the people that hurt me? Listening. James chapter 1 verse 19 20 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What the Lord is telling us, before you speak in anger, listen. Hear the heart. 
How do I respond? Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Let your conversations always be full of grace. Speak grace. Season with salt. What does that mean? What does salt does? In the times of the Bible, salt did several things. You know, when you, you know the word salary? When you get your pay, you get salary. Salary comes from salt. Because in the times of the Bible, they will pay you with salt. Salt preserves. Salt seasons. He says, when you speak, speak in grace. When you speak, preserve relationships. When you speak, bring flavor to a circumstance. He says, season with salt so that you may know how, listen to this, to answer everyone because you got to learn how to speak to the people you're with you can't give me the answer you give her we're different people so you need wisdom and grace to speak right so I'll change the church this is not an altar call for salvation I'll do that in a minute this is an altar call for healing and in case you're going to act like I ain't got no anger issues you're a liar because everybody here has had, has had anger issues everybody because anger is not limited by his culture, is not limited by gender, is not limited by age, is not limited by topography. So I want to ask the church to please rise. Please stand on your feet. And I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, if you need to bring Holly to the altar, if at the count of three, you need to search your heart and look at that pain, that hurt, that caused Holly to be bitter, shaking, nervous, afraid, tearful, unable to trust anyone. If you need to bring that Holly to the altar, I want you to know that your healer, your healer, just turn off all the mics, just leave mine on. Your healer is here to heal you. Your healer is here to restore you. Your healer can start the work, and all you need is a simple prayer. Now, Pastor, but, but what if I go up? Forget about what anybody thinks. Let's get right with God. Let's heal ourselves so that we can heal others. All over this room at the count of three, I want you to muster up the faith to bring your holly to the altar. And together we're going to pray. Ready? One, two, three. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Let the Lord heal you. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Pastor, I can't trust. I'm not telling you to trust, man. I'm telling you to trust God. Pastor, he hurt me, but, 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 but God is not going to hurt you. God is a healer. God is a master in healing. God is a master in restoring. God is a master in doing things new. He's a master. Pastor, I can't trust nobody. I can't even trust the church. I don't even trust you as a pastor. Put your hands in the hands of the Lord. Put your hands in the hands of the Lord. And tell the Lord, Lord, this is who I am. 
I don't want to be this way. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to act this way. I don't want to maneuver this way. Lord, so take my pain and take my hurt. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father God, look at your people. We're at the altar. I'm in the altar. We're at the altar. We give you our hurts. We give you our pain. We give you our callous heart, Lord. People have hurt us. People have distorted our view of life. They took our innocence and they abused it. They took our vulnerability and they usurped it, Lord. And then they left us with nothing other than anger and bitterness. And they moved on living their lives and we're still stuck with unresolved issues. But Father, I pray today that you heal the heart. I pray today, mend the hearts. Father, I don't ask you to remove the scars because the scars will be a memory of your grace, of your mercy, and your forgiveness, Father. But what I ask you is to enter our hearts and remove those hurtful memories that does not allow us to move forward. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may lift us up as a church and that we may rise in the healing power of the blood of Jesus and become the people you have called us to become. Father, we will pray all prayers and we will pray the prayer of healing. We will pray the prayer of restoration. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus, enter their hearts and heal. 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 The Bible says, let there not be room for bitterness. Father, I rebuke bitterness and I root it out in the name of Jesus.